You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, welcome back to Indianapolis. For the first time in a couple years, Spencer and I are back at the NFL Combine, the 2022 version. Not the heaviest uh, crowd of Buckeyes, deepest crop here working out this week, but three days of it. And uh, Spencer Holbrook and I are going to break it down with a little bit of rapid reaction. It's brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, seven players, I guess I should say, that were here for the Buckeyes. And what, What's your number one takeaway, Spencer, from what we learned here in Indianapolis? I guess we'd probably start with the wide receivers. Yeah, I don't think it's something we learned, but the wide receivers are fast. No, confirmation. They're very good, and they're both going to go in the first round. And I actually think one thing that I learned was that Chris Olave has a chance now to be, you know, one of those first two or three guys. I thought maybe he would slip down to the fourth or fifth guy, maybe the bottom of the first round. But you look at that 40 time and the way he was smoothing it out of his routes during the workouts, the way that he caught the ball, uh, the way he's going to wow people in the interview room and just his work ethic. It's not crazy to think that he can't leap up into the, you know, 15 range, maybe even 13 yeah. rounds. A lot of Browns fans watch these things. So, like, it, it's not crazy to think that that can happen now. And that 40 time really – solidified that he can be one of those top guys that's that's the biggest takeaway for me yeah that 4.26 second uh, 40 yard dash that was unofficial it didn't wind up being his official time but it definitely caught enough attention because the official time was still good enough still sub 4-4 he and Garrett Wilson both go under that and it was strange to me in the buildup you knew that both of these guys were already projected as first round draft picks and it would have been a pretty big surprise if they didn't come off the board that early but there's just a there was a weird sort of narrative around these guys like well how fast is Garrett Wilson really like what is Chris Olave gonna test well like what's his ceiling it's like it just forgot like not just what they had done on the field but the Chris Olave like his whole the whole appeal coming into Ohio State was how fast he was and I remember doing the stories about him just going out for uh, baseball one season couldn't really do anything else didn't hit just was a pinch runner and go steal a bunch of bases the guy was always fast yeah it was just crazy that that uh, sort of thing didn't exist, you know, talking about him. Jeremy Ruckert couldn't run. Uh, if we, as we go through the list there at tight end, he did the bench press right over there. Uh, 19 reps that officially counted for that. be interesting to see what happens with his stock. Uh, anybody else that you thought really made any moves or impressions on you this week, Spencer? Well, I mean, it'd be hard not to talk about Nicholas Petit-Frere and how excited he is, even to go through medical medical examinations <laughs> that everyone seems to hate. Nicholas Petit-Frere was having the time of his life. Hmm. And, you know, Thayer Munford was Thayer Munford. He's very candid. He's going to tell you exactly how it is. And, you know, he made a couple headlines with what he said about defensive ends, and that kind of caught my eye because <laughs> – you know, the bottom line is Chase Young and Nick Bosa are two of the best draft prospects on the defensive line in the last decade. So for him to say that, you know, that they were the best he's faced, I mean, that's not it's not really crazy to say. So I, don't, I think the headlines were a little misplaced and misguided, but all these guys are going to have some impressive things to say, and they're all going to impress a little bit. I know that we're going to wait and see, you know, 40 times for the offensive linemen and bench press and those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the story is going to be the wide receivers, but all of these guys, I think, only help themselves. I think Tyreek Smith has a chance to really elevate his draft stock in the yeah. coming days. It's not trash talk to say that two top five picks no. who were NFL Defensive Rookies of the Year and Nick Bosa, who's going to be probably the highest paid defensive player maybe in NFL history soon, 
that those guys were better than Aiden Hutchinson. It wasn't rivalry trash talk. No. It's so bizarre how some of this stuff gets. Anybody who was there knows what Thayer was trying to say. Those are the guys he he was a freshman, sophomore working against them. They And that was like an extremely difficult matchup at any point in anyone's career. And he had to do that early on. Of course, that's going to form a lasting impression for him. Uh, had nothing to do with what happened uh, in November in the big house, which... You know, I believe he was also dealing with something that Tyreek Smith brought up, which was that 20 players had the flu. That's a conversation for another day. We don't need to relitigate that or talk about uh, the big house anymore, but that was certainly part of it. Uh, you know, look at Nick Petit Frere. I thought that his decision was probably the most um, curious at the time. Thought he would have really benefited, and that Ohio State would have as well, obviously, with another year for him to develop. But as you mentioned, Spencer, the exuberance, the you know, joyfulness that he had just to be here and doing every part of the combine, you can, you can understand why. It's easy to sometimes forget that these guys are 19, 20, 21-year-old um, young men about to become millionaires or achieve lifelong dreams or both at the same time. And that would have been difficult for anyone to turn down. Absolutely. So you don't fault him for that part. Um, but that's leads me to the point where you're looking at these seven guys and you already know that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave that Ohio State is pretty well stocked up with Jackson Smith and Jigba leading that group at wide receiver. They're going to be fine there. Um, we look at offensive line, those two guys, you know, Paris Johnson ready to step in, Dewan Jones back at tackle, Matthew Jones at guard, good shape there. Defensive ends, uh, defensive tackle with Haskell Garrett here, pretty well stocked. I mean, Ohio State has seven players here. Normally they might have double that, uh, but that tells you how much talent is returning to this team, and that's really what all seven of these guys said, well, look out for this guy, this guy, this guy. Spring ball starting on Tuesday. The reason that Ohio State doesn't have to have a busy combine is because next year is going to be crazy. Well, and, you know, when you look at the way that this roster is going to be set up for Ohio State, the biggest questions are probably in the trenches as far as, you know, can they get tougher? Can they get they get bigger and better? And by all accounts, what we've heard here is that they can. Yeah. And so the guys that are going to be coming here next year, mainly Teron Vincent, like when you hear two different guys talk that highly of Teron, and I know that you know part of that is they've been with Teron for four years. They're probably very good friends with him. As you know, we, we can't just dismiss that fact. But the fact that they're talking so glowingly of what Teron could become on the field, that's a former five-star guy who's going to have a chance to wow scouts next year yeah. in his extra year. And it's a guy who hasn't ever taken that next step. But when you see... You know, two guys who are going to be probably top 150 players talk about how good he can be. I mean, it, it makes you excited for what can happen on the defensive line. I think it's definitely a combination of two different players independently talking about Teron Vincent and bringing his name up first and what you saw in the Rose Bowl, Absolutely. which was easily the, you know, the finest game of his career, setting the stage. I mean, there was at least a thought in Teron Vincent's mind about uh, going pro. Now, he, he made a prudent decision, in my estimation, to come back because if you stack together – five, six, seven, eight games like what he did in the Rose Bowl, then you become an All-American, then you become a potential first or second round draft pick at this time next year. A lot of conversation about him. Uh, you know, I think you're looking at Josh Fryer was a name that I heard a lot uh, from the offensive lineman. It's like, and even Tyreek Smith about going against him and how much better he had gotten. I don't know how exactly that will play out. You know that Paris Johnson should be at left tackle. Dewan Jones is returning at right tackle. And we saw on training camp at times, Josh Fryer really making a move in, in last year in spring, uh, potentially being a fit at guard. You know, it seems like he's heading towards a career at tackle, so I don't know if where uh, Ohio State will land on what to do with that group, and, and maybe he just be, is the third guy in the mix at tackle this year. I don't know, but 
certainly a lot of people that are impressed with what he's doing. Yeah, and it's not Thayer and Nicholas Petit Frere mentioning him. It's the the speed with which Tyreek Smith was able to recall <laughs> right. how good Fryer was. Yeah. You know, he was asked how, you know, who's a, an offensive lineman that's going to surprise people and he immediately just went to he said Fryer. And that that tells you everything you need to know that yep. a guy with the upside and the potential that Tyreek Smith has in the NFL to bring up a backup offensive tackle the way he did. I mean, that that that's pretty telling on what this offensive line could be if that's your third tackle. Yeah. You know, maybe it's even your second tackle. You know, sometimes guys just simply get jumped. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't want to start a controversy, but <laughs> Josh Fryer, if, if he's getting mentioned among that group, you know, there's going to be some conversations about maybe a battle at tackle. And so a lot of intrigue to heading into spring ball for Ohio State that generates from the combine, which I always love. Well, and I think that we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that next week, but the, the way that Thayer Munford, Tyreek Smith, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer talked about that offensive line in that group, you know, I, I sort of went into this week thinking, well, everything is relatively settled there. And you put Paris Johnson left tackle. Matthew Jones is going to be right there at left guard. Luke Lippler is returning at center. Donovan Jackson looks like a, an absolute future star at right guard. And then Dewan Jones is back. I mean, Maybe that won't be the case. Maybe Josh Fryer is able to put a different – it's a clean slate with a new position coach. We don't know you know, what's going to play out with that. I felt like it's a pretty – I had a pretty good idea of it. But you're talking about Harry Miller maybe being healthy and coming off the knee, being a factor there. Obviously what we heard about Fryer um, could be a lot more competitive than we maybe thought. But either way, it's still driving home this larger point that Ohio State has way more talent to work with than just about any program in the country right now. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, Fryer was the, the third tackle potentially, and he's getting mentioned among these guys. The, the defensive line, it's kind of funny to listen to those guys do the laundry list of defensive linemen <laughs> that, that have a chance to become good. We we obviously didn't talk to anybody about the secondary, but that position looks like it's retooled and restocked. And then the wide receivers, I mean, good God, it was almost too easy to ask uh, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who's going to step up? Well, how much time do you have? Because there's quite a few guys, but the guy that was mentioned maybe higher to a higher you know level than anyone else is Marvin Harrison Jr. And you look at the reports coming out of winter workouts and some of those highlights and some of those uh, you know screen grabs of what he could do, and then you look at the Rose Bowl and then you get the scouting report from the two best wide receivers in this building right now, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I don't think C.J. Stroud's going to have any problems finding Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, and beyond that, the first name that I think when I asked Chris Olave that, the first name he mentioned was not Marvin. It was Jaden Ballard, and he gets a little bit overlooked in this because he came in with two guys in Emeka Ibuka and, and Marvin Harrison who got on the field early and made an impact and, and had a little bit higher recruiting profiles and also talked a little bit more. We're, we're out there more in the media than uh, a very private Jaden Ballard. When Chris Olave says that a guy can fly and that he's got elite speed, well, what, what he proved in that building right over there should tell you that he knows what speed is and what high-end speed looks like. Uh, so if Jaden Ballard can keep up with those guys, you're looking at maybe he just, uh, it's the part of the part of Ohio, the way that they talk about his, his deep ball skills and his speed. I, I'm starting to get like some Devin Smith type vibes from Jaden Ballard. I, I don't want to put too much on it too soon, but he shouldn't be the point is he shouldn't be forgotten going into this spring camp and it's possible that Ohio State could expand that wide receiver unit past the top three they, they had good reason to stick with those three last year and you know that Jackson Smith and Jig was going to catch a ton of footballs Julian Fleming both of the shoulders are ready 
you've seen those flashes come start peeking through for him. Marvin Harrison and Buka, and then Ballard in there. Like maybe that's what we're talking about. You know, I don't know, but uh, I know that uh, just about any any team in the country would look at that and be like, they're losing two first round draft picks, and they're absolutely fine. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because last year all three of those guys in the rotation. So you know, we're using the word rotation a little oddly, but. All of those guys could do everything. Well, you look at this roster, and you know Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know if he's going to completely take the top off, but he's going to be really good at everything he does. But then Julian Fleming has shown through a couple of years, I know it's in a lot of injuries, but he's kind of a possession receiver. He kind of reminds me of what Austin Mack was for Ohio State. Yeah. Then you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba playing the slot, Emeka Ibuka playing you know, either way. This team doesn't have a traditional true deep threat and so maybe Jaden Ballard works his way into the lineup that way on mm. becoming hey if he's on the field there's a fly route to be had right. and so maybe that's going to work to his advantage that this isn't a you know three-man group that's all complete receivers maybe they all have different roles kind of like a traditional wide receiver room because you know as good as Ohio State's been in the last couple of years they haven't had a traditional wide receiver room because all those guys could just do everything they didn't have to yeah I know how much it meant to Ohio State I was texting with somebody uh, around the Woody last night about that and after the 40 times came in I know that it had been a big emphasis for Brian Hartline that had been 15 years since Ohio State had a first round draft pick and and he was part of those units that were churning out guys and Ohio State kept doing that we know Mike Thomas Terry McLaurin down the road guys who were making an impact but just weren't first round draft picks and got a response back after that happened and it's like all caps we're back so that's what they feel about the Ohio State wide receivers room, zone six. They were pretty good and pretty productive before then, but they are really elevating it to a different level. They'll be busy again at this time in 2023 at the NFL Combine. We'll see if there will be uh, another rapid reaction brought to you by Byers Auto then. Hopefully it stays in Indy. Just make have, my case. Do you have a prediction on how many Buckeyes will be here next year? Maybe it would be fun to look back on. I think it'll be 14, just off the top of my head. I'm going to go 13. There it is. It's a, the first bold prediction for the NFL Combine one year in advance. What a perfect way to wrap up uh, our first and only rapid reaction of the week brought to you by Byers Auto. He's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. Stay with us for full coverage of the Ohio State Buckeyes all year at LettermanRow.com.